What does this teach us? That unconfessed sin hurts. Unconfessed sin hurts. Notice what he says. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Pastor Daniel is going to share a psalm of David with us today. This particular psalm is called a psalm of penitence. David knows he messed up. But as you read his words, you will see that hiding his sin from God caused even more pain. It drained the life from David. If you have unconfessed sin today, don't make the same mistake David did. Bring your sin to God and confess and join into the happiness of being forgiven. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Psalms chapter 32 as he continues his message, a sad, happy song. She's already crawling and scooting. She's pulling herself up. But guess what? She can't walk yet. But she's trying. She's got all that wobbly legs and you know, the diaper padding bone. It's so beautiful, you know. And as a parent, I know she can't walk, so I put my hands down and she rolls. And she feels, you just, with the drool, you know. And we say, you're doing it. You're doing it. Right? Now, listen, she's not really doing it, Right? But we love her enough that we're not going to let her face plant, are we? Yeah. It's a perfect analogy. Because that's exactly what God is doing with you. And God is doing with me. If you'll simply hold on. Say, Lord, okay, I'm holding on. And yet, you're drooling. (laughs) And you got junk in the trunk. (laughs) And sometimes you spit up on somebody. And ruin their shirt. But what's amazing is, and, and, and any parent knows this, when my little daughter, we call it the anointing in my house, when I get the anointing, it's so disgusting, but I am so blessed by that little girl, right? And that's how God feels about you if you're in Christ. He's holding, he's holding you up and he's letting you do things you never could have done. And sometimes we make a royal mess, but he still rejoices in who you are. I don't just be like, oh, oh, my daughter spit up on me. I am not talking to you for two weeks. <laughs> Can you, I mean, that would, that would be a horrible parenting. But listen, that's why Jesus makes you happy. Because you can't even seek to be happy until the big, the big, big issues in your life are taken care of. And this reminds me of, of course, Psalm 34, verse 8, which says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. That's what God invites each one of us to today. To taste and see that he's good. That you'll be blessed if you trust in him. Now listen, for you gals, you notice he, the man, the man. This was written at a time before there was like gender language issues. 
okay? So if this was written today, it would say the person or the human, but back in the day, they weren't worried about all that the way we are now, so don't think that it's only like this is like a guy thing and God doesn't really like girls, none of that, okay? You just have to realize when it was written, I believe if the Bible is written today, it would use more uh, gender-inclusive language because we're struggling with that in our culture, or some of us are, and some of us probably should be, maybe, <laughs> you know? But it was written a long time ago, and so when it says he or the man, it means the total of humanity. The idea of the word man is the word Adam, which everybody comes from, the idea here. You know what I mean? So, so if you struggle with it, struggle no longer. It was written a, long, it was written a while ago. It, it doesn't it not include women. So Jesus makes us happy. Now look at what happens in verse 3. And this is going to be important for us. We talk about happiness. Notice what it says, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old, though my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Now, what does this teach us? That unconfessed sin hurts. Unconfessed sin hurts. Notice what he says. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. See, David is writing about his own struggles. And he's saying, look, I kept silent. I did not confess. And because of that, there was this experience of the sapping of my energy, my vitality being like the drought of summer which, given that it's August here in the Pacific Northwest, your lawns are feeling the drought of summer right now. See, the only way to get out in front of the acts that keep us from true relationship with God is to be real and honest about them. See, for a long time here, David is not acknowledging who he is and what he's done. He is not confessing. And the word confessing literally means to agree with. That's what it means. So when we confess our sins, it's saying, I agree with God that this part of me is not right. Now, the reason we don't confess our sins, of course, is because we feel shame. We are uh, scared of the consequences of those decisions. We Sometimes we don't actually think that they're sin. But I don't really believe that. I think deep down... Because God reveals who he is. I think deep down we all really know. We just don't want to own it. And really what we're saying is, God, you're saying that's wrong. I'm, I'm just doing it. And really what David is getting at here is the reality that it's not just a spiritual dilemma when we sin. It has physical manifestations. And maybe the most terrifying thing is when you can live in rebellion against God and you don't feel it anymore. Why? Because that means your heart is totally hardened. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about their conscience is seared with a hot iron. He's saying that there can be a place that humanity gets to where no matter what rebellion we do, we don't feel it anymore. And I'm here to tell you, that is the worst place to be. So if you're here today and you're reading this, you're like, man, I got some unconfessed sin. I can feel it. I would say, confess your sin and praise God that you feel it still. 
Because that means your heart is still open to the work of God. But for some of you, last night was a crazy time and you made all sorts of mistakes and you don't even think it's bad anymore. You're so given over to it that your heart has gotten hardened. And I'm here to tell you, if that's you and you're hearing this, you need to say, God, please soften my heart. I am not feeling it anymore. I am being deadened to my rebellion and my relationship with you. See, unconfessed sin hurts. Listen to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. He's saying, look, if you are not willing to drag your garbage into the light, you're not going to prosper. But if you will confess and acknowledge it, mercy is yours. Now, I listen. Again, I love this about the Lord. God doesn't expect any of us not to have issues. He just simply expects us to be humble enough to say, God, I realize I have issues. I realize I do. And I'm going to own my issues. I'm going to say, God, this is who I am. And I'm going to agree with you that I am not what I could be or should be. But, Lord, I'm giving myself to you afresh. See, the biggest issue is if you are the kind of person, and listen, I can speak kind of real to this because when I look at my own heart, I'm more apt to not want to acknowledge my stuff than to acknowledge it. If you're the kind of person who's like, well, I am just not going there. Listen, God's already there. We're just simply agreeing with the Lord and saying, God, I got problems. And if you say I got problems, that's exactly why you believe in Jesus anyway. So in the beginning, this unconfessed sin is a weight in his life. But then look at what happens in verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, when he kept it to himself, he had to deal with the weight of it, and he couldn't. But then he confessed it to the Lord, and the Lord what? Forgave him. So I don't know why we want to carry around what we can't handle. When God is like, look, just give it to me. I'll forgive you. I'll have mercy upon you. I've already finished it at the cross. Just come. Now, you notice that word selah, it pops up twice. There's a lot of discussion about what that word means. It literally in the Hebrew means uprising. And it was both probably a musical term of arrest and the idea of uprising. So the idea of worship, a reaction of worship to a statement. And I love that because notice it says, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And then there's a pause, like, like the dramatic moment, like, okay, my unconfessed sin is messing my life up. Deal, like sit with it. Boom. And then it goes on. And then I acknowledge my sin and you forgave my iniquity. And then boom, take a moment to take that in. See, God wants us to have a real vibrant relationship with him. Now look at what happens. Verse six. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Listen, my friends, turn to Jesus today. Turn to Jesus today. Think about how this is going. Think about how it's going. Happy is the man. Blessed is the man who's been forgiven. And then he says, look, I would not confess my sin. And it was tapping my strength out. And then I came and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I acknowledge my sin and you forgave me. And then he says, listen, he says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. 
He's like, because you forgive sin, everyone who's godly will pray when a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they may not come near him. He's saying, look, before things get so overwhelming, I'm going to pray. And he says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. See, this is who Jesus is. Jesus wants to be your hiding place. You got issues. I got issues. Everyone got issues. And Jesus is like, look, just come to me and hide in me. Didn't Jesus use that almost the exact same example when he was coming into Jerusalem? He's like, oh, Jerusalem, how I wanted to bring you as little chicks into my mother hen wings and protect you. And you can look it up online. When there's a forest fire and there's a mama hen and baby hens, oftentimes they'll find the mama head burned to a crisp and the babies are protected under her wings. It's a horrible picture, but parents would do that kind of stuff. Right? You're like, I'm willing to give up my life so that my kids may have life. And Jesus is like, look, come. I want to be your hiding place. Now, it's not hiding from your sin place. It's acknowledging your sin and dealing with your sin, and you're still accepted in the hiding place. And that is why Christianity is so rubber meets the road. This is why, for me, it is so real deal to follow Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't say, I want you to pretend like you're enlightened. And you just go up on Oprah's TV show and say, oh, say some stuff. And I was like, wow, real deep. You know? It's no. It's like, look, you got issues, but you can come with your issues. And God says, I'm going to let you hide in me. And your shame, in, in the light of who I am, your shame is going to dissipate because I know you're carrying shame, but I came to take your shame. And we can't pretend like you're still not messed up because everybody knows it. I know it, but I still love you and I'm doing a work in your life. It's so much easier to say, oh, I, got, I, I, I found this thing and, I, and now I'm enlightened. No, we're all just growing. Our culture loves that kind of stuff. This person's enlightened. Why? Because we love the outcome, but God loves the process. And God is simply saying, turn to, come to Jesus today. For some of you, it's going to be for the first time. For others of you, you need to come back to Jesus. Because what happened is, is you came to Jesus, you acknowledged your stuff, and then you rolled out there, like David maybe, and you wouldn't acknowledge your stuff anymore. You wouldn't own your stuff anymore. You became self-sufficient, became self-righteous. You became unable to be introspective by the Spirit. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm your hiding place. And I love this. Surround you with songs of deliverance. That's, that's such a cool verse, isn't it? He's like, not only you're my hiding, I'm going to hide you. I'm going to preserve you from trouble. I'm going to surround you with songs about your own deliverance. Do you realize the song of summer for you is God's song of forgiveness and the work he's doing in your life? And listen, don't be don't be upset about the work that God is doing. If God's putting his finger on your stuff, praise God. We're growing. And he loves being able to say, I mean, you can imagine God's songs. I'm sure God's a, just a wicked good songwriter. I'm sure of it. Like Bob Dylan in heaven or something. Like, there's my son Daniel. He's all jacked up, but I saved him. He acknowledged that he's worse off than he realized, but he now knows my love. You know, I mean, I'm a terrible songwriter. You know what I mean? But like that, like when, God, when we come into the hiding place, God sings a song that you are willing to let him do a work in your life. That's so, I mean, God is writing a song about you. If you'll come and be delivered. He's saying, look, I got a, a great song. Maybe, maybe you like some other type of music. Maybe it's like a country western song. 
God can do it all, you know. Some, you know my song's a disco song. <laughs> Look at verse 8. <laughs> I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Notice this. See, God wants to lead us. God wants to lead us. Notice, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Notice the three words, instruct, teach, and guide. See, God is saying, look, you've got three types of issues. i got three types of covering in Jesus, and I want to lead you forward. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will guide you. And God wants to lead you and I. And I like this. God is saying, look, I don't want you to be like a horse or a mule who needed a bit and bridle. You know the, the picture of, of a horse with a bit in his mouth. Once you break a horse, you put the bit, and then you can turn the horse. But if not, the horse does whatever it wants. God's like, look, don't be a horse. We're all saying, amen, I don't want to be a horse, you know. But he's like, listen, you shouldn't need to be coerced there. You should just let me simply lead you as you are free in Christ. That's what it means. And listen, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 tells us, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God wants to lead us. See, I, I hope you don't just like, oh yeah, God wants to lead me. No, God wants to, like, he wants you in his entourage. He's saying, look, I, I want you to roll with me. I want to take you to where you're going. I love that about God. He wants to lead us as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. The children of God are known by you follow him around in the grocery store, so to speak. I think about that analogy. I have a friend who they have eight kids, and they used to talk about how they had their kids. It's amazing. They had their kids that when they go to the grocery store, they'd all walk single file line. And I'm like, how'd you do that? And they were like, it was very hard. But every time they'd go into the grocery store, everyone would be like, what is up with those people? You know, like, oh. But listen, nobody doubted that they were good, obedient children, right? But for most of us, how many of your kids, when you go into the grocery store with your kids, do you wish you didn't have kids? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. The only thing that's good about having kids is you always get a donut when you go grocery shopping because you got the kids there, right? So my kids, uh, listen, I love my kids. They go in five different directions. And normally Obadiah is just running laps because he's got so much energy, you know? But so many of us in our walk with the Lord, we're like those kids who are all over the place, aren't we? When God's like, look, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I, wa- I, wanna, I want to do a work in you. Will you let God lead us? Will we say yes to Jesus? I I believe right now God has asked many of us to do things that we are not doing yet. God has asked you to step out and serve, but you haven't. God has asked you to go ask for forgiveness from your spouse or your parents or your kids. We haven't done that yet. God has laid on your heart. You need to get serious about your relationship with God. And you're like, well, yeah, no. Listen. God can only lead us if we take the step he's asked us to take. How many of us have not taken that step? And you're like, I just, I want to relate with the Lord. It's like, well, just simply let him lead you. What that means is you can't lead yourself. That's the problem, isn't it? 
The only way you can lead yourself if you want God to lead you is to say, wherever Jesus goes, that's where I'm going to go. We take a subordinate position, a, a subjective position. We say, God, the way I lead myself is to say, God, wherever you say go, I'm going to go there. And I believe God wants to do beautiful things. Now, isn't that what Satan does, though? I hear that. Satan's like, oh, man, don't let God lead you. You're going to end up a missionary to outer Mongolia. I'm going to tell you, if you end up being a missionary to outer Mongolia, I guarantee God will make you love outer Mongolia. See, it's kind of like, isn't that what, what happens? It's like, oh, yeah, if you follow the Lord, he's going to make you destitute and bankrupt. You're going to have no fun. You're just going to be like this real serious religious person. It's going to be terrible being alive. And that's what Satan says. The same thing he did with Adam and Eve, right? Oh, man, God doesn't want you to eat that tree of the fruit of the knowledge going to be evil. Sure, there's a, whole, there's a whole world of beautiful fruit. You just can't eat that one because God doesn't want you to be like him. Because God stinks. He's a big old meanie. And Adam and Eve's like, yeah, he is. Look at how nice that fruit is. But isn't that what happens? I say, let God lead you. And you're like, yeah, but God's going to, I'm going to have no money. And, and what's going to happen? And I'm never going to get married because if I, I'm a single person, if I follow God, and then God's going to make me be single. I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. Or wh- whatever. This is the God who wants to make you happy by forgiving you, by covering your sin. Who, who says, listen, confess your sin, and I still accept you. I'm going to sing a song about you. I'm going to lead you and guide you. But yeah, he's going he's to leave you hanging. Oh, don't let him lead you. Because he loves you more than you love yourself. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. He knows what's in your best interest more than we ever could. But we have to simply follow. Let him lead. He knows where he's going. I've been trying not to make a reference to guys with directions. All the wives are like, oh, I know. That. Yeah, it's like, listen, you, the wives just, why won't you just let me tell you where to go? You don't know where you're going. I know where I'm going. I won't stop. How many of you guys realize that GPS on your phone just wants to get you lost too? You guys know that, right? You got to check those things. Anyway, where was I? Anyway, don't be a horse. Verse nine, don't be a horse. Verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now notice this. This is why I call this a sad, happy song. There's happiness, there's sadness, there's the recovery of happiness after time away. And now many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. So we end here with the reality that you and I need to choose wisely. We need to choose wisely. Why? Because there are two options here. There is sorrows that shall be to the wicked. For those who won't confess, who won't come to the Lord, sorrows happen. Or, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. You righteous and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel dove into the concept of confession. To confess means to agree with God that part of you is not right. God doesn't expect any of us not to have issues. He just expects us to be humble enough to own them. Unconfessed sin is not just a spiritual dilemma, it has physical manifestations. David said that when he kept silent, his energy was drained. 
answer is to stop hiding and start agreeing with God. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Thanks for joining us. Next time, Pastor Daniel will take us to the life of Jesus. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? In John 17, we see Jesus pray for himself, for his disciples, and then for everyone who will believe in him because of the disciples' message. That's you. Jesus prayed for you. If it was important enough for Jesus to pray it, don't you want to know what it is that he said? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.